Welcome to the Ivy Podcast. We're just two aunties sharing our experience through the lens of one Blackfoot woman and one Anishinaabe woman. And we are Indigenous Vision, an educational nonprofit based in Montana and Arizona. We are 100% Indigenous led, and this is our podcast. Check us out at indigenousvision.org to learn more about our work, make a donation, or play back any of our radio shows and this episode. This is the Indigenous Vision Podcast, episode 65, coming to you from Turtle Island. My name is Melissa Spence. I am actually located in what is now known as Las Vegas, and I'm here with the Indigenous Vision Executive Director and my BFF, Suta Calling Last. Hello, how are you? I'm doing good, doing great, actually. And um, I put my <laughs> I put myself through all of the emotions this past weekend because I kind of weakened warrior my work and mm. um, I read and finished a book for you know I read it a couple times and every single time at the end of this book I'm sobbing and and this time was particularly different because I was in the location that it happened and so um, it just was a little. I mean, okay, so I, I was sampling, looking for a sampling route for the CWD monitoring and establishing some sampling points, ones that are negative and ones that are maybe positive. And I was about to go back to my camp. And uh, then I got a wild hair. I was like, I want to wake up someplace epic today or like this tomorrow morning. And I'm like, looked at my clock and I still had daylight left to travel somewhere and so um, I on my list has been uh, Pitamaka. Pitamaka. It means running eagle and she was one of the most famous Blackfoot woman warriors we've had and I wanted to go see her her spot where she fell in battle so that's what I did and I I found myself on top of a mountain underneath the stars like on the very top of a mountain and it was overlooking the entire Flathead Valley and I could see from about West Glacier Columbia Falls area Whitefish Kellispell Big Fork and down to Polson area and it was just the nightlight and the stars and I just went to bed um yeah it was just an amazing good dreams up there and um then by sunrise, I was sitting down on the beach of Flathead Lake, reading the book and drinking some coffee and just overwhelmed and emotional, probably because I didn't get much sleep, but, mm-hmm. um, but just really feeling the peace and, and the sorrow and the mourning and the love and oh my goodness, the, the love story of this woman is just, she's my hero. I just Wow. I have to read that book because it sounds really powerful. I mean, wow, what a place to journey and experience and like connect with that spirit. That's so crazy. It was beautiful. I love it. I was watching your post and I'm like, what is Suta into this weekend? It's so like, (laughs) it's so I could feel it. I was like, wow, she is on some like peaceful, beautiful, relational vibe right now. All these animals came out to me when I was looking at my sampling route and uh, there was big beavers. So we're looking for otters and otter scat, and that will help us uh, determine heavy metal content in the food chain. So I was looking for lodges, beaver lodges, and I saw huge beavers and one little beaver, I'm calling him little slappy, greeted me. And I'm like, I'm, ah, this is what I'm doing. Put my tobacco out. And I introduced myself. And then this big beaver came out and just kind of chewed wood for a little while. And I talked to him about my project and <laughs> That's awesome. Little Slappy. That's like a rapper name. 
I know, a little savvy. Wow. <laughs> uh, but, and then the cranes were just really, really cool. If you, if you're listening and, and you follow me on social media, I posted some cranes that were like these crazy dinosaur things that almost went to, um, you know, uh, shoulder blade, uh, breast height. And wow. it was scary because they make these like squawking noises that sound really crazy. And, and they followed me, they followed me for a good portion of the route, I found some pine I really needed. And so I jumped out and I was collecting the pine and they were way down across the field in the trees, making noises down there. And I'm like, Oh, I got to see them. And so I'm still picking my medicine and I carry it back to my truck and then get to the next lake, which is just over the little hill. I was at less than a football field away. And then they were there and then they followed me to another lake and then to another lake. And then that, that lake was the lake that I, um, I was going to try to catch a fish because, because I need to know what, <laughs> yes, I wrote fishing into uh, this grant, but um, I'm, I need a predator fish to see what kind of heavy metal content is there if I can't find the otter's cat. Mm. So yeah, I'm trying to fish for work, but I don't know how. <laughs> I loved your crane videos and I saw them doing the crane dance. And it was just like so cool that they're showing you all of this and, and guiding you around. That's really amazing. Yeah, yeah. And it was so beautiful that I think they were um, mates and, and they were, they looked healthy and they looked strong. And yeah. Wow. You know, I went to Canada during the last time that we spoke, I, I think our last podcast was the respect land episode. So mm -hmm. I went to Canada and um, I wanted to see my family. Obviously, my dad's going through a rough time. He's back, by the way. And we went out to a really sacred site on our traditional territory. It's called Manitowabe. It's a ancient, long, it's been there forever, right? It's like where people would go do ceremony. It's in the white shell area. So it's heavily bushed. There's lots of uh, shell rock that's just on the ground. And that's where they made petroform formations of different animals, people, symbols. Yeah, it's astrologically aligned to something in the stars as well like there's so many mysteries about this place because obviously our stories were severed during colonization so there's still a lot of discovering going on in that area and people trying to put it all together like what is this huge area in the middle of like the thickest bush ever what is the purpose of all of this so we go there and uh, my dad like kind of was so excited you know he was really excited to go into the bush it's been a minute you know we're, we're going through this like almost like a family crisis, but we're having, you know, we're, we're healing all together and it's amazing. So we go to this place and there's like a short little path that you have to go through the bush to get to it. So he like rushes through it, goes ahead of us. And I was like, wait, wait, we're still, we're still walking. And he goes ahead and he's like gone and he's already in the site. And my mom and I were walking slow because I'm not rushing. I'm on vacation. Like I'm just taking my time. We get to the opening of the area, the, the Manitowabe area. And there's a baby cub bear just sitting like right where my dad just walked through. And they're sitting there in the most joyful, I guess, state ever, just eating blueberries, like rocking back and forth and eating. And I, I've never seen an animal in a state of joy like that before. And, I, and I'm obviously scared, too, because I'm like, there's a baby. There's going to be a mom. So I look at the bear. We make eye contact. And I immediately avert my eyes and they just kept eating and swaying in their little bush, eating the blueberries. Like they're just having a blast. It's blueberry season. Everything's plump and delicious. It's been raining. It's gorgeous. And, um, I tell my mom, I'm like, mom, there's a 
cub right there and she sees it and we slowly turn around and go back. So I didn't actually get to go into the site because the bear spirit was like right there. And then it clicks. I was on my moon time too. And I'm not supposed to. So for some reason, which you could contemplate or think about as maybe the spirit stopped me because my dad was allowed to go through and he spent time out there, didn't even see the bear, didn't even know there was a bear. So we had to go back and kind of wait by the truck and just sort of wait for my dad to do his thing, which he really needed because like I said, my dad's going through it right now. He's got some personal trauma, trauma that he's dealing with that he's never dealt with during his whole life. So he got to spend time in, in the, the Manitowabe ceremonial space by himself, but I was told to go back, which was fine, you know, but I, I, I'd never seen an animal like that suit that just in its most joyful state. Like I've never seen a baby cub bear, just like rolling around in bushes, eating blueberries, (laughs) like a, like a happy little baby. It was so cute. Oh, I just want to hug it. (laughs) Right. And my mom was like, Oh, And we both just slowly turned around and I'm like, if there's a mom bear and we turn around, we're toast, but there wasn't, we just saw a cub. So we Mm. honored that and just kind of left. And we did our smudging and stuff by the entrance of the actual bush instead. And just kind of waited for my dad to do his thing. And he came out and I was like, dad, did you not see the bears? And he was like, no. I'm like, did you hear us calling you warning you there's a bear? And he was like, no. (gasps) Wow. Isn't that crazy? No, not at all. It's beautiful. And it's like, just the way it's meant to be. Some things are, some things are supposed to be done alone, especially in those, those sacred places. And I, I was on moon time, like, Mm. and I, I know you're not supposed to do certain things and I've been, and I've heard certain things about that, but then it clicked and I was like, wait a second, that wasn't meant for me this time. So I left and I just let it be. Yeah. And it's not because um, just for our listeners who are not familiar uh, when you're on your moon and you're out in these places and sacred places, it's, it's not because you're dirty or unclean. It's because um, we're very powerful at that time. And I was told for Blackfoot that I needed to be careful what I was thinking and feeling because naturally our, our emotions are amplified. um, But so are our powers. Yeah. And I think the bear in the nicest way possible told me you need to go back. Uh, you're a smart cookie. <laughs> Turn around. <laughs> That's awesome. Right. It's like they didn't scare me. They just gently showed themselves mm-hmm. to me and was like, this is not for you today, Melissa. Wow. You know, I know where I'm supposed to be. I'm, you know, clear. And I, I, I understood right away. So my dad mm-hmm. got to spend time in Manitowabe and we did like a little smudge for him and he loved it. And he ate blueberries too. He was like, I found a bush of blueberries and I couldn't help (laughs) myself. And I started eating it. And I'm like, wow, they must've been delicious. Oh, that makes me want to cry. That's so awesome. And then we saw a huge turtle. I told you I'm seeing turtles everywhere. Suda. ever since I had my first round of COVID and I, got better. And I went for that drive into the mountains and that turtle gave itself to me. I have been seeing turtles everywhere, like everywhere I go, just in the corner of my eye, little symbols here and there, people saying turtles sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, what is going on here? And so to see that big turtle in our, in our way, 
and just kind of show itself and like stand there and look at us. I was like, holy smokes, is that this is not the biggest symbol ever. And it was right after we came out of the bush too. I saw the turtle. I I was thinking, I was thinking about you over the because it's been I it feels like it's been forever, but it's you know a week and a half. (laughs) But I was thinking (laughs) about you on the road and missing you. And there was a spot between Browning and Kellispell where I had a dream when I was a little girl that a big turtle came out of that little creek there and I got to um see it from the bank and it was really 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 big and and I just it's just really vivid and I thought if I camp there in that little pullout spot I wonder if I'll have a dream for Melissa and but wow yeah I thought of you oh I would I was thinking of you too because we have your sage with us and it it was real and it's in Manitowabi now I left a piece there wow so it got around thank you for that yeah you're welcome and the those um those rock formations too it's really cool how I think a a lot of those rock formations uh, irregardless or regardless of nation do tend to line up astrologically because the sun and the moon placings of those are so important in our stories it tells the time when they happened and so I think if you know if especially if it's like a memorial type uh, formation where that rock formation was put there to memorialize a certain story or an individual and their accolade then that's how we would be able to tell the time is when it was lined up it would be probably the time of year that that story happened oh Oh, I see. So now I got to go back um, during a different time and go check it out because I didn't really get to see it. I saw a bit of the beginning of it and I saw this, this one big rock with tons of offerings on it. And I thought, oh, there it is. And then the bear. And I was like, Ooh, I better, oh, I better go. Yes, All those little things. Huh? So I, I, I got just a peek of it, which was bittersweet, but I'm not, you know, I feel really happy about the experience at the same time. Cause my dad got to do his thing and I got to, you know, meet a bear spirit in its happiest form, which I've never seen because, you know, I've always been scared of bears. I'll admit it. I've been scared of bears because I've watched too many stories on YouTube about bear attacks and, but to see it in a state of complete joy and bliss was a totally different experience. And I'm, I'm, I've come away with a different perspective now and appreciation and respect and love for it because I was always scared of bears. You saw me when we were up on that, you know, placid lake and how scared I got, like I was scared, man. Mm-hmm. I was scared. Now I'm, I'm a little bit more chill. Yeah. Amazing. What an amazing experience. I know. Right. I went with my parents too. And like our traditional land, it was so wonderful. I didn't even, I took like three little pictures the whole time. Like I was so present with them for the first time. I didn't even visit any of my friends. Like I was just with them and I, it was the best visit ever. So if my friends are listening, sorry about that, but I had some like family stuff to take care of. And I think it's the way I want to experience my trips. Now, when I go back to Canada, I would always have these like really jam-packed social events every night of the week but I I just didn't want to do that this time I just wanted to go sit by the lake and reflect go into the bush have a fire I mean I had the whole experience we had thunderstorms we had bonfires there was fireflies everywhere it was just oh my goodness I've never seen a firefly I really you've never seen a firefly never (gasps) never and I feel like it what would make my heart beat I was like it's amazing like I've seen them my whole life but to see them again I was like thank you for all of this like just (laughs) showing me everything I needed to see and I'm like I am good my heart is full I can go back to Vegas get back to work my dad's still doing good it was just what I needed it was like yes 
a good reset and rest and so beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah. So that's what I've been um, recovering from the mosquito Mm. bites, got back to work and here we are recording again. So I'm really glad. Usually I drive alone to these places. And then this, this time I picked up my old friend from high school, part of my high school crew and nice. um, Yeah. And his dad told us a nice, awesome route to go. um, And I had gone back as a kid on straight back into the coolies or, or the, the ravines on each one of these river systems, but I've never cut across. And he told us a cut across road and that road was really overgrown. And I was the first one in there in a long time. Wow. And so it was really slow going, trying to stay on the road. Right. <laughs> not, not like, like there was somewhere I, I was really uh, like four wheeling. It felt like my truck was going to tip over that. I had, Oh my goodness. Turn so slow. And yeah, it was just really cool. And then I would uh, sit in a spot. It, re- it was funny to me because it reminded me of the the reel I shared last week that said, uh, this is a really good spot. Like I go hiking for spots. And, and so I would find a spot for like an hour and just sit there and kind of like survey, do a soft survey of if it was a good sampling spot or if we would if it would be productive for the study that we're doing. And then I'm also contemplating other things like decontamination stations and how we might not uh, ruin the pristine areas. You know, total contrast between America and Canada, again, is what I saw, like the pristine bush of where I'm from compared to here was, again, something that was on my mind while I was out there because there's just the population difference. And I thought about just how different it is, you know, with less people, more people. But I I think what you're doing is so important. And if anybody listened to our last podcast, this is how we literally enjoy land. (laughs) Lots of tobacco flying around, you know, like it's, (laughs) it's good. I felt really good about it all. This is Mm -hmm. summertime in like Turtle Island. It's probably Mm -hmm. the most magical time ever. Yeah. I don't know. I was so tired after that sampling day. And then that that real quick itch to go see Pitamaka's spot. And, and then I was just so deliriously tired. I don't know if I was dreaming or if my dream was real, but it was an incredible experience and I'm just not ready to share the dream yet. Yeah. Don't. I mean, yeah, it's just, it was just, um, yeah, I had to text my mom. She follows me around on GPS um, and she texted at 11.30 and she's like, what are you doing on top of a mountain in the middle of nowhere? It looks like you're in the middle of nowhere, Suta. And I'm like, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to explain to my parents too, but when I went to the dunes and there was no one around and I'm just trying to tell them like, I'm just here to experience something I never have. I felt called to do it. And they're like, just be careful. Yes. You know, like I, I showed them how to GPS myself as well, because it's real, you know, brown women going into these remote places. I mean, I, I've, and if, if we're following our intuition, like I always do things that feel right. Remember when I was showing you my, my location on the way to yeah. the dunes, I was like, this is where I am. This is where the road is. And this is the road I'm taking. So in case anything happens. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool that you share your GPS with your mom and she actually like pays attention to it. Oh she, yeah. What yeah. are you doing out there? Yeah. The day before she um, messaged me because I have a, a cell phone booster for safety reasons to, to get signals in, in these remote places. And she texted me when I was way back in the back country and she was like, right there is where I had this dream. And I was like, awesome. Wow. And so she kind of, she follows me along real time. That's amazing. 
Do we want to talk about what happened in Canada? Um, uh, yeah, let's do that. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> so I wasn't expecting um, us to record right after this. Honestly, when I came back from Canada, I had I knew that the Pope was coming for a visit. I just didn't know when. Maybe I was subconsciously not looking for the information because d- deep down I didn't really care yeah. that he was coming to Canada. But it suddenly happened yesterday. I had no idea that it was going to be yesterday. I've been watching um, the local news in Winnipeg was interviewing a lot of survivors of residential schools who are making their way down to Edmonton or that vicinity. I don't even know if it was really in Edmonton, but it was, they were all making their way down there and people were having mixed feelings and they were, some of them were angry because I guess there was a bunch of money allocated to them to travel to Edmonton, but to get the money was extremely hard and you had to jump through a bunch of hoops. So there was all this controversy going on even before this all went down. And I know that there was an apology from the prime minister about the residential school system and how the government, you know, just everything back in 2008 or was it 2007? And I remember listening to that on the radio in real time at my very first radio job at a small town called Dauphin, Manitoba. And I was listening and getting choked up and having my lunch and just processing all of it. And now here we are in 2022 and the Pope himself came down to Canada to apologize for the evil committed through during residential schools, which if you're a listener and you don't know what that is, um, take some time to research it. It's a pretty dark, brutal, real life thing that happened to us not even that long ago. And there are people who are still alive who have survived these schools. And, you know, I'm a granddaughter of someone who attended the school. I've got aunts and uncles. And so the Pope comes down to apologize and we're all just kind of like whiplashed again back into this traumatic I don't know, feeling is what happened to me yesterday because when I read the news that it was today, I thought, oh, wow, this is really a surprise. I thought it was going to be this week sometime, but I didn't realize it was going to be yesterday. So it was really hard to watch again. I, I, and it was all over the feed and I thought, well, maybe I'll just stay off my phone today and I'll just wait for tomorrow and check it out to see what happened. And then I saw, saw a headdress getting passed around and, it was just a really icky feeling. And I, I remember waking up yesterday and I had a, an amazing salt bath and I did a smudge actually, because I was just so happy that I had such a great weekend and a week with my parents. And then I lost my appetite as soon as I started reading all of these stories and seeing the reactions of people. And then the headdress thing just kind of pushed me over the edge at around, you know, noon yesterday. And I really had a hard time like focusing on my day. I had all these plans to do work, And then I had to take a a self-care mental day because it was just like too much. And I don't think people realize how it still affects us because I had to literally like turn off my phone for a while. I had to take myself out for lunch. I went for a full body massage and I had to take another salt bath just to kind of like really, really process everything. But I think I did really well. I didn't lash out on the internet, which is what I would have done, you know, not that long ago. And I really felt myself being balanced this time emotionally and able to just kind of stand back and process it and just feel it for what it was and then come back to myself pretty Mm. quickly. You know, I felt really Mm. grounded after I just kind of um, it's really strange to watch everybody else react and I'm still processing it and contemplating. I I still don't know what to make of all of it. I mean, it's very strange to see all of this going down and it's really surreal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a this is a part of my trauma too, my historical trauma, where I'm constantly trying to um, 
heal being uh, reactivated, essentially, because, uh, and, you know, being friends and, and part of interfaith groups and stuff like that. And then it still gets hard and I have to back away and like protect and heal my heart again, because it just starts to feel um, exploited or uh, over utilized for resources, you know, but I, for the stats, you know, it's really sad. They, headdresses are given for honoring accolades that you've done that have led or protected or brought great abundance and resources to the people that you lead in some way. It's a sign of honoring your leadership. And I felt, you know, I'm glad it's not my nation. (laughs) who did it Same. Um, that would be super embarrassing uh because he has not a trip over with all these expenses is not the accolade that should be honored it's going to take more effort than that for those people who aren't aware of some of the crimes that were committed his children were taken from their homes about the age of three to five years old and parents were imprisoned or murdered for uh, not allowing their children to go. And up until 1952, you could still buy an Indian child from one of these residential schools for whatever you wanted to use them for. Uh, Residential schools were also the place where baby formula studies were first initiated. And if you think about how there's a class action lawsuit against Infamil right now, and that baby formula company, they systematically starved and fed native babies in these institutions, different kinds of vitamins and nutrition formulas to really cultivate the the baby formula recipes. And so, uh, yeah, babies were systematically starved and then given baby formula to uh, assess the impacts of nutrition, I'm I'm guessing. They've also found nearly 11,000 children and they've checked less than 150 of the schools in just Canada and the U.S. hasn't even started to look into the grounds with LIDAR equipment here. And so that's thousands and thousands and thousands and I, I feel like if we've checked less than 10% of the schools and we found 11,000 children, nearly 11,000, then, then we're going to find hundreds of thousands of kids who have gone missing and were systematically murdered or uh, a victim of this uh, colonial capitalistic endeavors disguised under the church. And, and then speaking of that, like, it's really upsetting, too, because my dad is a residential school survivor, a day school survivor. And and I feel like my parents and yours, and here's where I'm going to get angry and mad and start crying, they're collateral damage. Nobody cares that them telling their stories is hurting them the way that, that it is. And, and we're going to lose a whole nother generation because they have to rehash all of their abuses. Makes me angry. Yeah, it's it's really hard. So like we're still affected. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to lose lose a parent, I feel like. And it's near around the time every time he has to share his story. Mm. Yeah. People, um, I don't think, truly understand how recent and present this still all is. It's not, you know, people share black and white pictures all the time. And it looks like it's 100 years ago. It really isn't. It's right now. Yeah, there should be much more aunties and uncles here. Big time. Uh, yeah. So the collateral damage of our parents' generation and the 60s scoop and those residential school survivors, you know, a $100,000 check is not enough for their life. Yeah. It's not. 
we are literally the first generation to not have to be a part of that, like actually go into a school. And I, I make that point to people and they don't understand. I'm the first generation to have the privilege to be raised by both my parents. Nobody took me away. And I'm really grateful because Mm -hmm. for how many generations did that happen? People do not understand. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why there's such a, a heavy, um, Indian Child Welfare Act, uh, they're trying to really put an emphasis on positive Indian parenting and refamiliarizing ourselves with the aspects of our culture that contribute to parenting, um, because that's what's going to be what heals those next generations is, is uh, sloughing off those colonial residential school methods of kind of like stern violent rigidness without love and I I can't imagine what it would be like being raised with violence and without love from the age of three that's why my grandpa ran away and he ran away three times before he was eight years old and then finally they didn't come get him anymore wow I didn't know that yeah and so he, um, that's as far as he went in school. So he was really self-taught. His, his writing was really adorable and scribbly. And uh, it was, yeah. And, and he ended up doing what I'm doing. He went around and did the cultural assessments of environmental impact assessments of wind turbine activities and stuff like that. And how they might be impacting raptor species, culturally significant birds and, and migration patterns. And, and I always thought that, I didn't need to go to school. I just needed to hang out with my grandpa. Yeah. Like that's amazing. So I I, see, I'm someone who didn't get to experience that because my, my grandparents unfortunately went to a residential school their whole lives. And then, you know, alcohol got the best of them, unfortunately, which is another um, symptom of that. People in the city of Winnipeg would always, you know, non-Indigenous people would be like, why are there so many drunk Indians on the road? Like, why are, where's their family? Why don't they just come get them and like help them? It's really hard to explain how that person got to that place. And it's really dark. And it's, and again, like, I don't want to exhaust myself trying to explain to every ignorant person why we have these problems in our community, because it's just, it's like talking to a wall. So again, like there's so many issues that we're still dealing with because of all this. So I was again, activated yesterday to see not just the Pope get a headdress from the Hobima nation, but also seeing the, the what I quote unquote called church natives having these huge jamborees after and celebrating the day. I just, you know, I've always had an issue with, like you said, the inter interfaith of our people and it, it rubs me the wrong way. And uh, what came up a lot for me was I just still to this day do not understand how people can devote themselves so blindly to this institution after everything that they've done. And what comes up a lot is people will defend themselves saying, well, they're not really Christians if they're doing that. We really are. And I I just don't, I still don't understand how people can align themselves with an institution like the Catholic church or just Christianity in general, when there's been so much harm and so much devastation. I truly don't understand. And I've had to accept that I will never understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm at. I've, I've tried to understand as well because I was raised, you know, in ceremonies and sweat lodges and, and as traditional as, as you can be in the eighties kid. And, uh, and I, I was able to see the last of some dances that were, are not really done anymore. And I would love to be the person that 
that brings those dances back as um, to where they were really like safe places to be in the community. And, and if you think about how our, our communities were like only dealing with alcohol then and how they were a bit healthier, but then there were also all these events happening, like giveaway dances, I'm thinking of specifically, which is a social uh, community event that brings together all these people. And then you just give away stuff and you dance and you laugh and you eat and, and you make friends by giving away stuff. It's just beautiful, I think, but I check out, I've checked out a lot of around, around this news. And, and then I did watch one of the videos and I'm, I haven't watched it again. And I've actually been avoiding it just because I want to keep my head uh, in my work because it's, it's emotional, but it's more pleasant <laughs> than what's going on now. And, and it also gives me hope for like, we're, the crises we're all going through right now. Um, these have been happening in the past and there was a way that it sorted out and balance was restored in a way. And so but ultimately, I think uh, I've been trying to understand the institution of religion and how it uses violence to assert its ways and how that is a juxtaposition to its teachings. Right. Like um, what? And so, yeah, but I, I do recognize that every human is a better human when when there's something that we believe in or have faith around or have hope around. I think that's a critical ingredient to, to being a human is that empathy and compassion, holding on to something that makes your spirit or your soul burn a little brighter. And, and we're all, we're spiritual. And I think that's what I'm seeing in the, in the religious natives um, is that they've, they've found and they've felt that tie that makes their heart expand a little bit more their soul feel alive and that fellowship of experiencing spiritual things with other people is is an ancient traditional thing and and as it was outlawed yeah <laughs> and what was put in its place was the church and its its activities and things like what do they call like cursillos or you know where they baptize babies and you know, the whole community out there it was just a systemic community paradigm which was similar but it was put in its place and it's exactly how churches um, specifically sought out uh, sacred areas to put the church on because the natives and the indigenous people were used to going to these areas to pray holy moly holy moly it's a lot um I know I've had to apply cultural humility to all of this as well as I'm processing and taking it all in and really just trying to understand and coming from a place of I as well. I don't know what it's like to be an elder who has experienced the residential school. I don't know what that's like at all. I don't know what it's like to believe in Christianity or the Catholic church. I'm not even sure what to call it. Catholicism. I, I truly don't know what that is like. So I don't, I don't have that perspective. So I've been really using cultural humility to just come from a place of I and just rely on my experiences and process things the best way that I know how from what I've lived and learned in my life. So, and I've really had to humble myself and say, I don't know what it's like to be them. I don't know what it's like to have that mental attachment or spiritual attachment. Therefore, I might not ever understand. And that's going to have to be okay for me because mm -hmm. I got to live my life the way I do it. I'm not going to get hung up on something that I can't control. I have to let it go and be what it is and learn the lesson and still have hope for my life to be 
as wonderful as it freaking is, because I have a really awesome life. And I'm, I sent you that message. I said, I did all these wonderful things today because I have a really great, amazing life. I'm not acting good. I'm just living good. You know, I'm, I'm this, this is what I have to do for myself. Mm-hmm. And despite everything that happened, I'm still living good. I'm still having a, an amazing life. And I have so much to look forward to. There's just some things like yesterday that I may not fully understand and have to move on. And we'll see how the next week pans out in Indian country. Now, parents and I were just talking about this too earlier before we recorded and they were just like silently watching as well. They don't even know what to make of it. They're just kind of like, whoa, what's going on? We'll just have it, to wait and see. It felt so surreal to see right? that. And I think, you know, I didn't listen to the video with the sound on, but I, me neither. I, uh, it looked can't, like can't even do it. Can't even it do looked it. like as soon as they set it on his head, he he his neck. Uh, my massage therapist, his neck sunk into his shoulders. It was heavy, and then he turned to his left and whispered or told his guy that I want it off. I I thought that's what his mouth said. So it was an honor, maybe not even accepted. Um, ooh, ooh, so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that was something that they talked about uh, giving him and and if he was aware that they would be doing that or if they just kind of walked up to him and was like, plunk. The internet just went crazy after like native Twitter, Facebook. I've never seen so many memes generated so quickly. And I saw a post of the grandson of that chief who gave that headdress sort of out there defending his grandpa and getting digitally slaughtered by everybody so we'll see how everything pans out like i'm this is this is like so historical i can't even uh process it still fully fully Mm -hmm. we're 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 like less than 24 hours after it happened yeah it's still pretty fresh and my tribe is uh also a nation that has given headdresses and honors prematurely and then those relationships have soured and we give them in good hopes that it's a diplomatic offering it's a recognition of their leadership it's um it's hopes for good relationships and mutually beneficial relationships but they're not on the same page (laughs) i think my night my my tribe gave a headdress to harper I remember that. And I, re- I remember seeing that I wasn't going to bring it up, but I remember and I was like, here we go in treaty six again. I'm like, what's going on over there? Yes. And so then what, what you, did we get what we wanted from Harper? No, no, we didn't. Bill C 65, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's what it was still passed. And all of the waters and streams and lakes in Canada lost their protection, except for those around cottage country, you know, over by the great lakes. And yeah, I saw an interesting post. I just wanted to mention one from a guy that, you know, lived in Winnipeg. I don't want to say his name, but he said, sometimes I think our people are too kind. I don't know yeah. quite know how to explain it. He wrote, but he said, I think we just have to leave it at that and still process. But he just thinks that sometimes we're a little bit too kind and it just kind of, almost repeating of what happened, right? Like we were so kind to these visitors and then we just got totally screwed over. Yeah. Yeah. Teaching the pilgrims how to survive over winter and, and thrive and then getting massacred. (laughs) And and we're still kind. Doesn't that say a lot about it? That's our strength. That's our strength is the kindness. And like, you know, even for my own life, no matter uh, how you wrong me or whatever, I'm, not gonna do you the favor of sitting in that 
wrongness. I'm just going to, you know, you're on your own journey and, and the things you do don't have an effect on me in that way. I can't control my, my being, and I'm going to sit in my gratitude. And I think that mindset sets the tone for everything. And if we, no matter what happens around us, you know, that fire that's happening around us, keep your fire inside brighter and, and set your mind in a mindset of gratitude and, and what you're thinking about is going to manifest. It's going to, it's going to come true. And, and so I'm trying to just be as healthy and safe and sane and peaceful as possible, because I think these things are kind of designed and meant to break break you a little bit. And if you, you let it break you, then they win. Right. Totally. I've developed an unwavering sense of hope recently and it's, I can feel it still. Like I, I know this is all crazy and a lot to take in, but I still feel hopeful. I still feel powerful. I still feel the love that I have for everything and that's, what's keeping me going. And I think that's a beautiful thing to celebrate. And I'm going to celebrate that again today. That's such a beautiful place. I hope we can all be there. Thank you so much for listening to the Indigenous Vision podcast. You can find out more about us on our official website, including how to contact us, make a donation, or play back any of our music radio shows or this podcast. Don't forget to share with your friends and write a review if you've got time. We totally appreciate you sharing your time with us.